Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Keenan Bonner and Sean Shoot. This week, the match it will be getting stuck into is 2008 Pineapple Express versus 2008 Tropic Thunder, the 2008 Derby. Huge <laughs> year of film this is. How's everyone doing? Stunning. You yeah, can tell what right. type of films these are by the enthusiasm in my voice. <laughs> yeah, I was and that's hard that to intros, do with this voice. <laughs> the intro sounded very loud. Came with a lot of well, energy. That it's. I think I mentioned on a podcast a couple of weeks ago that the various people I've been compared to through the years, Jim's dad being one of them, which I think is how we got onto it, and uh, Dale Winton being another. So I, I was just channeling my uh, host. Dale Winton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hell? You, usually, it's just people with. Black hair and glasses. I think someone said I had hair like Dale Winton. So there we go. <clears throat> to be fair, now that you said it, he's probably done a few <laughs> supermarket sweeps in his day, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so as I said, Pineapple Express against Tropic Thunder. Sign of the Times is it's it's a good feature, but it kind of doesn't work when we've done 2008 the week before or the week before that. So a <laughs> little bit of a switch up here. Still a sign of the times. We're going to go back to 2008, take us all the way back. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to see these films, so not all the way back, but <clears throat> June 2008, yeah, these was... are the films. It was a good year. These are the films that were in the cinema at that time. If we assume for the purpose of this, that these films are getting a month long time in the cinema. So that's how it works. These films were released in June 2008, essentially. Kung Fu Panda. We're going to get on to Jack Black later, but there we go. Kung Fu Panda. Uh, don't mess with the Zohan. Sensational film. Anyone agree? We did Sandler last week, so more Sandler. This was probably when Sandler's been dropped in a decision win, but you started to see the, the writings on the wall. Because <laughs> I think this is coming off the back of Click, if I'm not mistaken. So click. Ninety percent of people enjoyed, but don't mess with a Zohan when a large part of the storyline was the length of his pubes. Yeah, maybe this was the point where Adam Sandler realised he can pretty much do whatever he wants, and people, <laughs> people are going to go and see it. <laughs> uh, otherwise, in two thousand eight, we had the happening. If you can remember that, where no matter how bad. Trying to a good comparison for this. It's, it's kind of like a Floyd Mayweather fight where people would tune in despite complaining every time about how boring it was. Not me included, but M. Night Shyamalan had a habit of releasing trailers that people would be intrigued by, tuning in to see the film and realising it was complete garbage, <laughs> but forgetting again by the next one. That film, what? The Village, which people were hyped by, what did you prefer, the happening or the fappening? <laughs> the fappening for sure, but <laughs> that's uh, humour. If people are don't want it on the record, that's a joke. <laughs> I've not seen any of 
anything <laughs> concerned with the fact that... Also, we might want some of those actresses on the podcast who don't want to get us off to a rocky start. But The Happening, I think we, it was more successful in being parodied in Scary Movie 4, I think, than the actual film was. I just remember things falling from the sky. <laughs> Wasn't it like a take on, like, end of the world global warming kind of thing if I'm not mistaken <clears throat> had Charlie Sheen in it I'm pretty sure I can't remember but wasn't Charlie Sheen in the scary movie yeah maybe I've got them crossed over See, Charlie Sheen was in the scary movie version I think we've also got uh, the Incredible Hulk which Marvel kind of liked to pretend didn't happen Kind of like King Kong, where like two hours in, and he still wasn't the Hulk, and you're thinking, "Jesus Christ, what's going on here?" <laughs> was that his? Was Edward Norton Hulk? Yeah, that, that was the one. Yeah, yeah. You had Get Smart with Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway, I believe. Uh, uh, the Love Guru with Mike Myers and Jessica Alba. So, as as much as there was some high points for comedy, there were also some very low points this year as well. <laughs> Um, Wally came out, which went on to be what one of the highest rated films ever made. I've not seen it. Um, Wanted with Angelina Jolie. And if you were lucky, you could have seen an advanced screening of Hancock. If you're really lucky. Well, I feel that's an underrated film these days. I actually I don't mind it. A superhero film. It got a bit ropey <clears throat> towards the end, but up until that point. Mm. They went all in with the add heavy rain to make things more dramatic for their finale. Hancock was, because uh, I forgot the name of the film now, but who's the superhero that Ryan Gosling plays? Not Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds. Green, Green Lantern. Yeah, no. that's the one. Green Lantern, yeah. Lantern. Or you think of Deadpool? No, I'm thinking of Deadpool, that's it. Deadpool. Uh, like Hancock was kind of the Deadpool before Deadpool. It was like the alternative superhero film. Yes, funny. Didn't quite get so the, the they praise of their 12A rather than going to a full R rated. Yeah. Anyway, if we get then onto Pineapple Express, this is what people have tuned in to see or listen to, I should say. Hopefully we got the energy coming out. Sean, I'd like a bit more from you if possible. A bit yep. more excitement in you. Pineapple Express then synopsis. A processor and his marijuana dealer wind up on the run from hitmen and a corrupt police officer after he witnesses his dealer's boss murder a competitor while trying to serve papers on him. Sean, was this the first time you'd seen it this week? Uh, definitely the first time I've seen it the whole way through, yeah. I've, I've just seen clips of it when it's been on TV. Not, I, I, uh, didn't, I didn't see this coming before the podcast started, but you do seem to be kind of the, our harshest critic, so this one didn't quite tickle you, Gooch. <clears throat> yeah, not the biggest fan, but I don't know if I'm just because I'm not the target, target audience of it. I didn't think it was. What are you as trying to say as... about me, Keenan, and TK? Well, I don't know. <laughs> read, read your own interpretations of that. But um, I didn't hate it like I hated Sex Drive. <laughs> I, I can I can watch it. It was it was enjoyable uh, to an extent, um, but yeah, w- wouldn't be one of my top films that we watched. It'd be it becoming second but last, the ones we've watched so far. Well, the critics did disagree with you for the most part. We have got the critics reviews here, 
Cheech and Chong have found new heirs apparent in the form of Sol and Dale in a film destined to be a new stoner classic. Hmm. David Gordon Green seems to use this template as some sort of experiment. Green's method is like a stone-cold killer in a John Woo movie. He makes us laugh, then immediately shoots us in the face. Your love of it will largely depend on how funny you find the movie with 85% of the jokes based on smoking weed. For the rest of you, for the rest of you, a lot of it is going to feel very silly, crammed with potty humor and overly long with such a simple subject matter. Is that summed up how you feel pretty much, Sean? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely cannot be compared to Superbad or Knocked Up, but another secure comedy brought to use by both Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow. And we do have Knocked Up coming in the last episode of round one, so there we go. They've preempted us there. <laughs> More an inconsistent collection of gags and skits than a cohesive feature, but the highs are funny and the lows hard to get worked up about, so we still walk away smiling. That probably isn't an unfair review, you know. <laughs> in, t- in terms of it, it is obviously completely scattergun by nature of the film. Yeah. And just thrown together, but it does work. Uh... This is a Class A comedy about Class B drugs. It has a Rizzler-thin plot that Campbell carrot-sized laughs. Can't profess to know what a Campbell carrot is, but I assume it's big. It reads well. (laughs) Uh, Watching this without having got stoned first is like watching a 3D movie without the special glasses. There are a few moderate laughs and a nice Jude Law gag, but the full-on gory violence is disconcerting and unfunny. (laughs) Is is, Is that whole sentence together? Yeah, I like the idea that that whole thing. Look, not only is it just watching a 3D film without glasses, but Jude Law is also involved. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Cheech and Chong meets Scarface. So there we go. I don't want to disrespect to Harold and Kumar because that did come out before. So they've just skipped that stoner duo and gone straight to Pineapple Express. So there we are. Harold and Kumar is actually another one in two weeks. So if you don't like stoner comedies, sure. Yeah. Although yeah, I think you'll, sure I think you'll like Harold and Kumar more. I think I like the Christmas version. Watch that <laughs> one. Watch that every Christmas Eve. So there we go. <laughs> trivia then. So a lot of trivia for this, but we'll kind of discuss the film as we go through and then go on to the categories. So you won't just have me reeling off several pages of trivia. So Seth Rogen originally wrote the part of Sal Silver for himself to play. And it wasn't until a table read. That James Franco actually asked to switch roles and because he thought it'd be funnier in the role of Saul, which I think is a great shout when you look at the film now. Another one of those things that we've said in past weeks where it's like a near miss where it could have gone so wrong and they at the last minute got it right. Because James Franco, other than outing himself via Instagram DMs, seems a fairly intelligent guy, but he does play the dumb role very well. Yeah, he really does. Seth Rogen plays the... In, Seth like Rogen the, plays the, Seth the best Rogen. of the bad bunch. Yeah, he's like the intelligent one of the dumb group that he plays well. So it works with him kind of smacking James Franco back into line. And then it also works with him being completely ridiculous when confronted by the dad or any other adult in the situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen rolled every cross joint in the film, every joint and cross joint in the film himself. I don't know if you can remember, there was a load of clips after this film came out where essentially it was just him popping up with celebrities that were just asking him to roll the joints for them. I remember there was one. Yeah, there was. Yeah. 
and I imagine he felt particularly cool in all of these situations. <laughs> uh, James Franco's line, it smells like God's vagina, was actually improvised by Seth Rogen. They had a big row where James Franco said it wasn't funny and then used the line himself in the next take. That piece of shit. <laughs> uh, this is the first marijuana co- marijuana themed comedy to gross over 100 million worldwide sheesh um, the diner scene at the end of the film wasn't in the script it was improvised on the spot the fight scene between uh, Saul and Carol so James Franco and Rosie Perez was for the most part improvised and James Franco was worried the whole time that he would hurt Rosie Perez as he would uh, so he would ask for permission to do certain things during the fight. And in the end, she did get hurt, but he kept it to him. She kept it to herself. She didn't want to put him off. But she says that it was because he bit her too hard on the thigh, which I don't see how you can mistakenly do that. <laughs> no, no accidents there. <laughs> She's giving him a pass there. And when really you should know that if you're trying not to hurt someone, that's you don't probably bite not the thigh. best way to go about it. I would there's have a lot of James as a scrapper as well. Yeah, there's a lot of James Franco mishaps in this. So when James Franco smashes the bong over Danny McBride's head, it was supposed to be a fake breakaway bong, so uh, he could do the stunt himself essentially. But it was filled with some water, and when he smashed it, he actually did cut open Danny McBride, which is why he's got a headband on for a lot of the film. Oh wow! Uh, when Saul runs into a tree, he actually did run into the tree full pelt and caused him to get three stitches. So that's why he's also got a headband on from that point. <laughs> um, Seth Rogen, Rolling Stone, that the filmmakers originally wanted a budget of 50 million, but he was only able to secure 25 million after they read the script and said, there is no way they're putting 50 million onto a <laughs> stoner comedy that isn't going to make any money. He actually had this greenlit before... Superbad was uh, even released. So I know on the trailers it says from the makers of Superbad, but they were doing both at the same time. The scene in which there's uh, the desk covered in dicks in Superbad, that was filmed on the set of Pineapple Express. Oh, wow. Because they were just doing that when they were bored. Imagine doing that, spending your time doing those two. All the fucking time of your life. That makes sense that a lot of them are in... There's a lot of crossover characters as well, though. Yeah, there's a... Well, I've got something about that later on, so I'll get to that, and you'll see maybe where the combination comes in. Um, as Danny McBride is uh, handing Dale some guns, he says, uh, Ted Jones messed with the wrong melon farmers, which is a reference to how Die Hard we played on network TV in America, where rather than mute out a word they would usually dub over any like obscene words with something that made no sense. And so it went famous where they would play Die Hard. They would say, yippee-ki-yay, melon farmer. <laughs> and so that is just something they thought was funny themselves and left in. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Rosie Perez actually was going to speak a lot more. Um, and I, I don't know if this is being... Just convincing so you have to do less work, but she convinced the director to take most of her dialogue out, saying it would make her seem more mysterious and crooked. 
So, yes, yeah. true. I don't. I, I don't think know if in this film you need need her to be overly <laughs> mysterious or whatever. But fair enough. Um, in the first write-up of the script, Red was supposed to die the first time he was shot, but they thought Danny McBride was so funny that they just kept bringing him back to life. <laughs> That's a great decision. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, Seth Rogen had to practice yoga to be more limber for the physical scenes in the movie Red refers to his ex-wife having gotten out of jail recently and there's a pic of him and his ex-wife who was played by Stormy Daniels who later uh-huh. went on to have fame through Donald Trump so there we go <laughs> is that, is that uh, how she got famous was it? Yeah. that was kind of that's how she's a household name also I was going to say, I'm not sure that's how she, how she became a name. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what are you implying? <laughs> Byron, Google you were there long ago. Have a look at her filmography. I was going to say, Google it, and then let, let people discover it for themselves. Uh, the word fuck in its derivatives is said 180 times. So this is what I was mentioning earlier, Sean. James Franco said in an interview with MTV News, and Judd Apatow said the same at Comic-Con, I think it was that they considered making a movie sequel that would cross over the storylines of Pineapple Express and Superbad, but that never materialised. <laughs> with Seth Rogen playing the same character? <laughs> I don't know. Suddenly becomes a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> he just jumps in and out like Mrs. Doubtfire. From one character to the other. They, well, potentially believable to be the same person. It could be, yeah. He does, he, he does wear disguises in Pineapple Express. It was yeah, just a yeah. weird reveal. It just was never a copper in Superbad. I don't know how you got it to work, but. Uh, one of the casting what ifs then, um, Brian Cranston read for the role of Ted Jones. However, Judd Apatow felt that he wasn't evil or scary enough to convincingly portray a drug dealer. <laughs> Great decision that, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. I do think Gary Cole does a great job, though, so it, yeah. it probably did work out just as well. Yeah, he's got the right balance, hasn't he? He can yeah. be the, sort of the villain of the piece, but it's still a comedy villain. It's not a villain villain. Exactly. Yeah. He plays uh, he's a bit, very similar vibes to, well, essentially, he's got a gun and he shoots someone in this, but he gives the same sort of vibe as he does when he's <laughs> in Talladega Nights as well. Um, just, <laughs> yeah. Just, just, plays a, just plays a sleazy guy really well. And look, he doesn't really <laughs> give a fuck. Yeah, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But I mean, in this, he's got the most invested in it. Rosie Perez seems to be pushing him into sort of going after yeah. him. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't actually seem overly bothered by half of it. No, he just seems quite happy. Uh, in the original script, Dale's girlfriend was an adult and a strong, mature businesswoman in sharp contrast to her slacker boyfriend. But they rewrote this because um, when they did the first kind of getting feedback, people thought they were ripping off Shaun of the Dead. So they changed it and did the complete opposite and went for a college, uh, well, a high school girl rather than an old mature woman. That's a fucking hilarious twist because <laughs> the the loser boyfriend and high-achieving girlfriend is kind of a done thing. I know you've mentioned Shaun of the Dead there, but it's a pretty much a staple sort of setup, isn't it, of a comedy? Yeah. Is it the bloke's the loser? She's looking at him thinking, what are you doing with your life? So Probably one of those things that someone said as a passing comment and it just got in their heads. Yeah, yeah. It's also pretty much what Seth Rogen does. It's essentially <laughs> that it's, it's pretty much the plot of Knocked Up. Um, <laughs> hey. 
and the, that's and not the disrespect knocked up. That's not disrespecting her. It's just true, isn't it? <laughs> no, um, but she's doing a lot more got, than he is. You've got a history for disrespecting knocked up. Oh, wait till we get to the podcast, mate. Yeah, we discussed this last night. I actually thought he was about to give some sort of reveal about um, Seth Rogen for a minute. (laughs) That's just what he does. Just dating young young women. (laughs) It's essentially what he does. He's just the same in the film with Charlie Theron as well. And that one she plays someone who's trying to become part. That's it. It's quite a good film. Um, I don't want to tarnish the integrity of the podcast, Keenan, but if you want a case on Knocked Up Against Old School, we'll go to (laughs) town. Uh, I feel like used... that we can directly influence. They both but... turn up. I've got it twelve nil. <laughs> but <laughs> just Sean you... and TK trying to we're asking to convince them Dragons Den style. I think you hold. <laughs> I think you hold more sway generally, but I think I'll present a better argument. Well, final bit of trivia. Budlowski constantly saying how he wants to get home to his wife and child was actually an inside joke on the set that was improvised into the role. Kevin Corrigan had essentially been irritating everyone, complaining constantly during filming that he wanted to get home to his wife and kid. And so <laughs> they just stuck that on his character to start saying it in the film as well. So there we go. I do enjoy him just popping up in these films. <laughs> so him, in, him and the other this... guy. What's the other guy called? I can't ever remember his name. Bill Hader's in him. Joe Latrulio's in a couple of them. That's the one. Joe yeah. Sandler has his little set of guys. I feel Seth Rogen's just a must. He's just got, <laughs> he's just got like the new, the, the new generation of just his guys that he just throws in somewhere. It's like the conversation people have at school where it's like, if so and so gets famous, saying you'd bring everyone along, and that is what they've done. One of them has got <laughs> big time and they brought everyone else along for the ride. Got a real got life entourage. You've got to applaud it got to respect that well if we go on to the categories then as we do and go through some of them we'll obviously miss out until we do the comparisons but well favorite part of the show usually quotes so we'll go through the quotes themselves the best quotes that we have i mean i'll probably have to miss some of these out because i've got i think half the film taken down here but (laughs) the one that stuck out for me and obviously I was watching a best of earlier again to refresh myself was the discourse between them about the battery being dead when they wake up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do you mean it's, it's dead it's like, I'm, I mean the battery is dead and he's confused again I don't know how I can explain this differently <laughs> to you it ceased to live it is deceased <laughs> Come on, man, let's get the fuck out of here. Okay, uh, let's go. No, it's not working. The battery's dead. Wait. What do you mean it's dead? What do I mean the battery? I mean the battery's dead. We la- The battery's dead. What do you mean the battery's dead? How can I explain this to you differently? The battery is dead. It ceased to live. It's deceased now. The car needs a battery to start, Saul. So. How did this happen? I didn't know whether I was like enjoying that too much because that happens so often in life. I was thinking, am I the only one who's thinking this is actually a genius part of it? Because it's quite an obscure, I guess, part of the film, really. But it is so relatable, and he's just, <laughs> I don't know any more ways in which I can tell you this. Alongside that, I think my favourite would be um, Soul saying, I wish I had a job like that where I could just sit around and smoke weed all day. 
Chelsea, you do have that job. You <laughs> do sit around and smoke weed all day. He's like, hey, you're right. Thanks, man. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah, I'm just going over. I didn't know where to start. Um, the chat about Red possibly having herpes. Just, you, know where you, you know where you got that from. Um, <laughs> you ate that lollipop chart, that stripper snatch. Herpes is for life, bro. Yeah, well, I'm going to try to definitely put some sort of medical ointment on it. I've been taking Vicodin. That doesn't really take the swelling oh, down, though. It's from that time I told you, man. You you wanted to eat that lollipop out of that stripper snatch. You wanted to do it. Out of her vagina, I know. Remember what you did? What'd you do? Nothing. You ate a box of nerves out of a butthole. Oh, you <laughs> fucking did you wouldn't tell. You sowed your own poison, man. Uh, and, he says, <laughs> and he says to Saul, what did you do? He's like, oh, I didn't do anything. And he's like, you ate those boxes and there's that were a battle. Um, just, just, just the, and then Sol goes, oh, you sold, sold your own poison, man. It's so good. <laughs> uh, the police, police woman, um, when, uh, just after the scene where they smoke weed with, with the kids, uh, and she comes back and says, I just saw three kids walking back, back here with their eyes as red as the devil's dick. <laughs> Don't move. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? It's a joint. It's a roach. Come I'm here. sorry. Right here. Uh, I was just smoking What's this. What's in your hand? I thought it was decriminalized, to be honest with you. I have a horrible anorexia, and it helps my appetite. I'm so sorry. Look, oh, selling man. narcotics to my students is not decriminalized. Okay, I understand that. I'm the liaison officer for this school, and guess what? I just saw three students walking from back here with their eyes as red as the devil's dick. You're busted. <laughs> Personal favourites, I think, is going to be when they're telling Red, he's like, you're going to come back as a cockroach or a worm or a fucking anal beat. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's asking, well, maybe I'll come back as the anal beat. <laughs> he's considering it. <laughs> well, he says, which would you rather? And he says, depends who. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he says, mine. <laughs> Red's got quite a few in, in my list, actually. I also yeah. like uh, as he crashes the car and kills Craig Robinson, he gets out of church. You guys just got killed by a Daewoo Lanos, <laughs> motherfucker. You just got killed by a Daewoo Lanos, motherfucker. How you like me now, huh? <laughs> that, that was originally meant to be a Ford Focus, and then Ford wouldn't greenlight it, so they changed it and got the cheapest car they could. And <laughs> Seth Rogen said that they chose that one just because he thought the name was funny. Yeah, I, I actually think that works better than you just got killed by a Ford Focus motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, it really um, does. Uh, Craig Robinson, when he talks to um, talk, talks to his partner, he says, I've seen you pull somebody's jawbone off. I've seen that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's meant, it's quite, it's got actually a longer list than I thought just as I was typing them out. Um, as you, you mentioned, sorry, the, the police, the police woman speaking to Dale. Yeah, she says, "What's in your hand?" And he says, uh, "It's weed. It's a joint. I have horrible anorexia, and it helps my appetite. I'm so sorry." <laughs> <laughs> and he ends that saying, "Those kids came up and peer pressured me. This is horrible to understand it." <laughs> Red, where well, you said, we, Sol says, to him, "You still got that bong I got you when I was in Tel Aviv?" And he's like, "Hell yeah, bong mitzvah hits me, hit me up." <laughs> <laughs> Um, the chat about the, when they're talking about who's more chill. I don't know why, but I've always just remembered that one. He's like, I'm, ch- I'm chill, dog. Look at me. Look what I'm wearing. Kimono. Hey, so it was kimono, <laughs> dog. Why are you wearing a suit? Yeah. Doesn't look very chill. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, the, the chats they have in, in his, 
like flat as some of the best of the film, even right at the start where he he's just references the picture of him and his grandmother. And he says, hey, let me ask you something. Do you think you could pull the plug on someone if you needed to, like euthanasia? <laughs> I'm kind of in a hurry. I don't know if we should start going down that road. I could talk about this all day. So don't get me started. <laughs> the, the bit I like about that chat is there's just randomly where he puts the radio on. There's just like some smooth jazz playing in the background. It's almost like, ele- like elevator music. Um, he's just talking about that. I do like that. Um, as you text me, as you put in the, our group the other, last night, you're in the jungle now, baby. When Sol's just <laughs> about, about to square off with Rosie Perez. <laughs> I, I like with this, and I know Tiku spoke about this before, some of the ones which aren't necessarily intended as the punchline, they're just kind of the throwaways that maybe you don't pick up on the first listen, or just something that just makes you kind of nod your head at it. Yeah, yeah. And, Sean, are you shuffling a deck of cards on top of your mic? <laughs> you do this every no. single week. I don't know what you're doing. We've but... been lucky because I heard Scott Hoover in just now as well, so we could have been <laughs> in a real disaster. Downstairs, we were right. Dale's saying when... Uh, Andrew's dad goes off saying, don't get a gun, why would he bear arms? And <laughs> the way he said it, he's cracking up. I think I'd text him and ask. Uh, when he calls the, the teacher, so that the guy who's in all the films as well, the one that's in Superbad, when he calls him a chimp fucking bastard. Because <laughs> he's like, you can't speak to a teacher like that. He's like, well, I'm not stupid. <laughs> that whole thing is so weird as well. When, when, they, when they have the conversation with the... The guy who's her friend who's like trying to get with her, and then he's just a full grown man, just <laughs> stood there awkwardly while they're all talking. He did a great Jeff Goldblum impression. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when that's he's like recounting says, that says to James film. Franco later, isn't he? And he's like, he does a great Jeff Goldblum impression, I can't do that. <laughs> he, just, he just says, and he just says, fuck Jeff Goldblum, man. <laughs> so, this was disrespectful. Plus, what a wonderful filmographer. Um, <laughs> in, in my list, I've got mo- most of the stuff that Craig Robinson comes out with. Like you say, the little throwaway things that probably aren't. Um, always like it when he says to Sol, you need to sit your little ass down, your little sexy ass down, and watch yourself get killed. <laughs> <laughs> Sol saying, uh, <laughs> when he says, even if he found that roach, how could he find this? And he's like, Heat-seeking missiles, blood, hands, foxes, barracudas. And the look on <laughs> Seth Rogen's face, he has no clue what's going on. <laughs> is, that, is that when he says, oh, I'm sometimes flabbergasted? Yeah. Some, some of the things you say. Thank like, you. <laughs> yeah. uh, couscous, the food, the food's so good they named it twice, is one of their more memorable. Um, <laughs> Red saying, I used to use this little gun when I was a prostitute. <laughs> Even the soul describing uh, Pineapple Express, he said, "It's like if that blue oyster shit made that Afghan Kush I had, and they had a baby, and then meanwhile that crazy Northern Light stuff. I had the super red espresso snowflake, met and had a baby." But they spoke about this after and said, well, "I'm sure she kept there just taking the piss out of the ridiculous names which drug dealers call their weed." <laughs> and they, they said the way they would know if the movie was a hit is if they could go into a street corner one day and someone say that they're selling some Pineapple Express. Someone just decides that the movie's that good, they want to start naming their weed Pineapple Express. <laughs> Which obviously has happened. <laughs> when Seth Rogen says to Angie that 
she's not mature enough for him. She says, fuck you, Dale. I lost my virginity when I was 14. Okay. How many women have you slept? <laughs> and she says, two and a half. And he says, two and a half. <laughs> and he, he's, he's, he says, I can't remember the exact situation, but I just remember thinking at the point, I can't count this. It doesn't count. <laughs> he says, maybe the tip went in or I dip. I remember dipping a ball in. <laughs> he doesn't think it was funny he's just put the ball in <laughs> dad saying you assholes do exactly as I say or I will take you outside and fuck you in the street he says no don't fuck us anywhere Red showing his shaved armpits as a, as a reason for him being able to handle danger <laughs> it makes me aerodynamic when I fight I can take danger him telling them oh sorry boys I forgot bros before hose and then immediately after when they get up the room there's plenty more but it's kind of one of them films isn't it where we'll get on to Alan Command we'll go on to Step Brothers where the entire movie is basically a quotable yeah very true I'm just trying to see if there's anything overly obvious that we've missed, which I don't. I think we've got the obvious ones in. Uh, well, like we said before, the thing, even with the teacher saying Clark's a great guy, man, he's totally going to take care of Angie. He's a wonderful <laughs> lab partner. He's going to be cool. He'll keep one eye on her. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, I think, for the most part, I'm sure if there's any we've missed, we usually get to the end and realise that there's like an overriding one that we've missed, but what would you say is the best moment or scene? The fight in Red's apartment. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I've got the fight with Red. It's just class, from from like beginning to end, from when he grabs yeah, the phone. Yeah, from the meeting. Um, when he grabs the little the dust bunny or whatever they're called and just starts beating the shit out of James Franco with him with it it's, it's, it's meant from start to finish um, even like I can't remember how much I laughed at it the last time I watched this film but just re-watching it earlier on um, as they were like the, the tape the tape job they put on him when they try and bind him to him there's like a good there's like a good 15 seconds where James Franco's just he's like tying up his in, like fingers just trying to tape him to his fight and I was just laughing for for all of it <laughs> they say they had to leave him like that for like a whole day of filming because they couldn't tie him down because of how they did it. They wouldn't have been able to untie him and tie him back in the exact same way for continuity. Yeah, so fair. they essentially just had to keep him like that for like eight hours of filming. Yeah, I can see that. And that's, that must have been a ball like. <laughs> when Dale finds Red and he's been shot seven times... <laughs> And he says, uh, I'm trying to decide how stoned I am and how on the verge of death I am right now. Like, am I seeing shit because I'm stoned or because I have no blood left in my body? <laughs> and he says, well, you've, you've been shot like seven times. <laughs> I think that's when they get into the thing about coming back as a anal bead, is it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're an asshole, you're going to come back as a cockroach or a worm or a fucking anal bead, okay? If you're a man and you're at heroic, you'll come back as an eagle. You come back as a dragon, you'll come back as Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> Any other contenders for the best scene, or is it overriding? I I would go with that. I'll give a shout to when that having when he's having dinner at the parents' house and James Franco comes in 
And then she she stabs him with a fork and the does start shooting at him. That is yeah, hilarious. Yeah. That is good. I like the first time we see Vale and Sal together where he comes over and they try the Pineapple Express for the first time and they talk about the trifecta. This is like the apex of the vortex of joint engineering. It's rumored that M.M. O'Shaughnessy designed the first one, the guy who uh, designed the Golden Gate Bridge. Of course, of course. My second favorite civil engineer behind Hans Carl Bandel, Madison Square Garden. What you do is you light all three ends at the same time. Really? And then the smoke converges, creating a trifecta of joint smoking power. This is it, man. This is what your grandchildren are going to be smoking. He's like, this is the weed your grandkids are going to be smoking. <laughs> and just everything about it. The guy who comes in asking for Percocets. <laughs> I dread to think how many people tried rolling the trifecta afterwards. Oh, God. That went horribly wrong because there were probably hundreds of thousands of people who tried it. Essentially, <laughs> anyone that smokes weed and saw this film is going to have tried it afterwards and probably got sure. it horribly wrong. Mm. Or as claim to someone afterwards that they managed to roll one once. Yeah, you can treat it as a lie. It shouldn't <laughs> happen. A personal favourite has got to be... Sorry. The only other one personal favourite is when he calls her up crying and saying, like, he loves <laughs> her more than anything in the world. And, he, and she goes, I'm so glad to see you. I want to marry you. And then just so quickly, he's just like, <laughs> this is a terrible idea. What are you doing? <laughs> he just says the fact it. that she'd take him back shows how immature she is. She's <laughs> just so naive. <laughs> side character for this is a tough one because it depends mm. who we class as a side character. Yeah. Would you say would you say Red is too involved to be a side character? <sighs> it's tricky, though, isn't it? He is right on the border. Because I would say, I don't, I don't know, because I would usually say the first people that come into your head when you think of the film would be the people that you would determine the main characters. And he, after James Franco and Seth Rogen, you think of him ahead of Rosie Perez, yeah. Gary Cole, yeah. Craig Robinson, all of them. So I would struggle to put him as a side character, I think. How, I, I don't know. I, I do think that's, you make a good point because I've, got him written down with a question mark but he's, he's, he's not actually in it for very long is it no <laughs> like he must so maybe have been that is that he's just such a great side character yeah if you count him as a side character then he automatically wins because of how memorable he is but if you decide that he's just too good to be given as a side character then my other uh, my other shout would be Matheson which is Craig Robinson's character I was about to say this if you if we had some guy out there that was prepared to add up how long each of them is on screen for. It can't Do you think it's that different? No, I don't think it would be much different because there's two or three scenes. Got the scene in the the nursing home um, yeah. where Red's not in it just before Dale goes to Red's. I know that's only like a minute, but I mean Red's only in. There's a couple of scenes where he's only in it briefly. Yeah. Um, so I can't imagine the time dif- like difference is massive. I think we can probably take Red as a side character based on this because outside of Dale and Saul, all of the other characters are in it for pretty much the same amount of time when you look at Red, Budlowski, Matheson, and then even Ted Jones, Rosie Perez. Yeah. 
they're all in it for the, pretty much the same amount of time until you get down to Angie and her dad. But yeah. they're hardly in it at all to make too much of a case. No, I mean, her dad would, her dad would be a shout because for the limited time he's <laughs> in it, he is like brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably take Bill Bill Hader over the dad as well. Oh yeah, just great. for his I little scene at the start. I did, did have him, did have him wrote down. Um, yeah, that's not bad. As a as a scene as well. Sorry, just can't has been forgotten. That would have been one of my whilst Red the fighting Reds does still win the opening scene where they give him the weeds and he talks about the the alias, the spaceman and stuff. That would also be an option. Um, what about Seth Rogen jumping like a spider monkey off the balcony as a moment? <laughs> Because that is sensational. <laughs> With thinking of the dad, when they get in the car and he's like, I can't believe you thought this was even a possibility. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> I've got another kind of question of contention here, which if, if you think it's too deep, we can wait till we get on to the comparison. But the best soundtrack. Now, the... Electric Avenue is probably the most prominent song in the film that you would remember. Yeah. But the entire film was one of them where the trailer went absolutely viral. And that was largely due to Paper Planes by MIA in the trailer. But that doesn't feature in the film. So would you count that as part of the film's soundtrack or not? Oof. Because it is so tied in with the film. True. Against the spirit of the category, almost as much. What'd you say, Shield, sorry? Against the spirit of the category. It's a dubious one. What does that even mean? You might be right. Yes, one. Yeah, it's it's a. That's a tricky one, isn't it? To be honest, though, with both of them for soundtrack, I'm struggling a bit. Electric Avenue could see it on its own. That's a bang. Yeah. Well, there's a couple in Tropic Thunder. Oh, that that's a good one. Are we forgetting I Love the Pussy by Al Pacino from Tropic Thunder? <laughs> <laughs> what? When I did it, and we can talk about the specific songs in Tropic Thunder, I kind of had it down to a 2v2 in the end, and it was which you preferred out of the 2v2. Mm. So maybe when we get to Tropic Thunder, then we can do a comparison at the end. So we'll come back to this point. Um, in terms of the chemistry, did you think that it was believable because Seth Rogen and James Franco are probably as much chemistry as you're going to get in a comedy, really? Yeah. Outside of Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson? Yeah. Obviously, you don't. They're, they're the gold standard for double action. <laughs> well, they're like a duo. Like the duos that we're going to have throughout this bracket is we've got Seth Rogen and James Franco, we've got John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, and we've got Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. That's like the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, and Edge and Christian all Edge going Christian. up against each other. <laughs> I like, <laughs> I like, um, I, I like Franco and Rogan as the, uh, as the Dudley Boys, and then you can have Danny McBride as Cousin Spike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, chem- chemistry wise, I mean, what have they done since this? They've done, obviously, the interview, the interview. They've, they've been in all, they've been in other stuff together as well, haven't they? This is the end. Yeah. Um, the chemistry. James Franco comes in. Um, the Christmas one. Um, it's gone out of my head. Office? No, it's not. Is it Night Before Christmas? Or not? 
the night before. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, he's um, in that as well. So they essentially, it's like they constantly owe each other a favour. <laughs> I forget they they did the Bound Two video with them both naked on a bike. So good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean they're obviously like they say they are mates away from. They are actually just good mates away from. I was going to say yeah, they made film, before so they ever struck it, weren't they? So. You you your thing about them owing each other a favour might not be a million miles off the mark, or it might not be a favour. It might just be yeah. Can you can can you come in for a date? It's like and it's a bit different. Um, but there's a still Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum pops up in This Is the End. Um, as the as Danny McBride's as Danny McBride's gimp. It's only because he <laughs> he knew he, he knows he know, he knows all of them. Um, and they emailed him and was like, look, can, we just wanted to know if you'd come in for a day or two and do this. And they didn't even tell him what it was for. And he was just like, yeah, of course, a little mate, no problem. <laughs> um, then he got there and had to do it. So it might even just be the case, like you said. They just, well, that, they're just. That's probably a good place for us to cross over the night to Tropic Thunder because, uh, before we do the breakdown of that, when they do the trailers at the start of that, they called in Toby Maguire and they said that he owed them a favour and their agent said that they had him for three hours before he was on a plane to Europe for, <laughs> it may have been Spider-Man 3 press, but, so that's what, that's why he's Inc- in there. <laughs> Incredible. When we were watching it, I think Scott thought they were actual trainers. <laughs> <laughs> Did add to it. Surprise me too much. <laughs> so if if we go into Tropic Thunder, then uh, as I said, so just get too many notes. There we go. So the synopsis of Tropic Thunder: Through a series of freak occurrences, a group of actors shooting a big budget war movie are forced to become the soldiers they are portraying. Critics reviews. Then first of all, Sean, was this the first time you'd seen this one? No, I've seen this before. I watched it in the cinema, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and does it get your mark of approval? Uh, well, I, I do, I enjoyed it more than Pineapple Express, but, uh, again, I, I thought before. We're struggling re- to find a film you like here. I thought before <laughs> rewatching it, I thought, I think I had in my mind that it was funnier than it, than it was. I was, I was wary that, cause it was quite a while ago, like, was it, shockingly funny when I first watched it and maybe not as funny the second time around um, and I, I enjoyed it more I had a few more laughs I think than Pineapple Express but uh, maybe not as good as the first time I watched it but I definitely worth for this, and then for this podcast and then you start talking <laughs> and the life just gets drained <laughs> well, I can't like as you every hate film. every film I can't like every that's not true Bruce Almighty. It's Bruce Almighty. It's probably one of the best actual films that we've had. <laughs> that is mental. That is mental on your part. It's and not if mental. You, and if you felt that passionate about it, maybe you should have stuck around rather than gone off to a quiz. <laughs> we didn't even start on time. <laughs> anyway, critics reviews for Tropic Thunder. A cast to die for on one of the truly hysterical and irreverent films of the past few decades. Tropic Thunder has to be one of the smartest films of the year about Hollywood and the business, with a script that isn't afraid to poke fun at itself. Tropic Thunder looks like it's been plotted by a child, but most of the time you'll be laughing too hard to notice or care. Tropic Thunder was post-everything, including entertainment. It's a white boy version of a Wayans movie, made long after satirising Vietnam War films could possibly matter, so that huh. person wasn't too thrilled. Bloody hell. Although a white boy version of a Wayans Brothers movie is maybe a good comparison. 
Tropic Thunder is an easy film to enjoy. It appeals to the most basic levels of humour without patronising its audience, while pricking the pomposity of the movie industry without going too meta. This is far from self-fallacious. Here you go. This critic is getting X-rated. <laughs> Still a one-ups is Zoolander fashion world creation with Tug Speedman, an action hero trying to revive his flagging, sliced alone type type career by appearing in the most expensive war movie ever made. Finally, Cruise is downright scary. It's the creepiest and most entertaining performance since his unforgettable appearance in that Scientology video. <laughs> it has so, got a big, it has got a big cast, doesn't it? You look yeah, past, yeah. Like, huge cast. Stiller, McConaughey, Cruise, and Danny Jr. Steve Coogan. struggle to get this many. I don't know what the budget was, but it must have been insane. Or one of them, like, they're going heat 2013 where people are taking a pay cut to keep the team together. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Because ever what? I don't, I don't know. I was about to look it up. I've just looked it up, so don't. Have a guess and see how close anyone can get. I don't know what a good film budget would be, to be honest, so I'm maybe not the best person to ask. Anyone I was, else? I was going to guess, like, I don't know, like 50 million or something. Engine, so. engine 20 mil. Sean is closer, um, but it is under, so it's 92 million US dollars. Gross. And it's usually conservative there as well because they want it to be as low as possible so they can talk about how much it smashed. How the much budget. the success, yeah, yeah, success yeah. it was. Yeah, I mean, 92 mil. I mean, I don't, you, I don't, you obviously don't, not sure what was done on set, what was done on location, but you imagine a fair chunk of that. What do you think Tom Cruise gets in for a cameo? Like, <laughs> like that can't be cheap, can it? No. Well, I've I don't see many got... of those personalities taking the pay cut either. No. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to do the Chris Bosch for him. I've got maybe some McConaughey, tri- trivia here. Yeah. So I've got. Ben Stiller said that nearly all aspects of the Les Grossman character were developed by Tom Cruise, including the dancing and the look of the makeup. Stiller mm-hmm. said that in, in addition to the more obvious makeup effects applied to Cruz's face and head and the extra hair in his chest and arms, he also decided to play the character wearing oversized prophetic hands. <laughs> what? Uh, the character of Kirk Lazarus was originally written as Irish, but it was changed to Australian when Robert Downey Jr. said it would be easier for him to improvise in the Australian accent that he'd already developed for Natural Born Killers in 94. So the accent obviously stayed with him. 14 years <laughs> to be able to do it. That's the talent the man's got. <laughs> but cannot do uh, an Irish one. <laughs> In the film, Kirk Lazarus says, I don't drop characters till I've done the DVD commentary. And when recording the audio commentary for the unrated DVD and Blu-ray, Robert Downey Jr. actually spends the entire commentary in the character that appears on the screen as the movie progresses. <laughs> so, this which is... Maybe once we've done the trivia, we'll talk about whether this could be made today. Because Robert Downey Jr. was very reluctant to take the role in this film because he felt wearing makeup to look African American was offensive. And then Downey ultimately accepted the role because he liked the script and wanted to work with Ben Stiller and Jack Black. So he's fine with <laughs> maybe being racist as long as he can work with Ben Stiller and Jack Black. <laughs> um, they, they've chucked another zero on that on that contract, haven't they? <laughs> That's his guess out. He's like. You've got to understand it. Jack Black, Ben Stiller. What was he done? 
Jack Black, that behemoth of the acting world. Like, he just can't, <laughs> can't turn down that. Hey, you know? he'd done Kung Fu Panda this year. Oh, yeah, <laughs> flying high. He had a big year. <laughs> he'd done, like, School of Rock a couple of years before. He, he was at his peak. Yeah. Um, mm. Okay. Something I thought was maybe the craziest surrounding this set, Robert Downey Jr. was actually nominated for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his role in the film, no, mixing out to Heath Ledger for his role in The Dark Knight. <laughs> and it's since come out where they've essentially said, look, if, if The Dark Knight is comes out a year later or before, Robert Downey Jr. is winning that Oscar. What? <laughs> so if Heath Ledger is still alive, what necessarily, like, cause it, not to be rude, but if, if Heath Ledger is still alive at the time of the Oscars, there is an actual 50-50 shot that Robert Downey Jr. wins. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they said essentially that it, it was only when they read out kind of the, the names and the Dark Knight was among them, they were like, right, but we don't even need to kind of speculate. But if that wasn't there, he was like a shoo-in for it. That is scandalous. But Bizarre. <laughs> it would have been funny. Yeah, it wouldn't have been funny, but had he have won it now, no one would... Like, think about it. As he says, it was a, it was offensive then. It's always been offensive to do blackface. Yeah. People people found it offensive then. Extrapolate that to try and have the conversation now about whether he deserved an Oscar. No, <laughs> one, no one would. That'll be like ever history ever textbook stuff. Yeah, no one would <laughs> ever get mentioned. I assume they would have asked for the Oscar. They would might have just had to ask for it back because they couldn't. <laughs> they wouldn't want to be acknowledging that. Well, it would have been even more so when there's already the kind of narrative around the Oscars that. Yeah, it doesn't support black people that it then gives someone in blackface an Oscar. <laughs> it would not have gone down well. Not a good look. No, and it would have aged even worse. Yeah, and if, if some someone else to feel sorry for in in this whole debacle, the water buffalo that Jeff Portnoy or Jack Black rides turned out to be pregnant. The cast and crew found that it had been pregnant when they came to set one morning and found her nursing a newborn calf. Why she went pregnant and having to hoist Jack Black around? <laughs> Poor thing. Um, as part of the promotional tie-in, the booty sweat energy drink scene in the movie was available for a limited time on Amazon. Wow. Another cause of offence here. So several disability advocacy groups criticised the Simple Jack subplot, movie within a movie in which Ben Stiller's character portrays a mentally disabled man. No. So it, obviously you, you see the enactments from Ben Stiller during it. Um, scenes between Robert Downey Jr. and Stiller drew particular scorn for repeated use of the word retard, which I'm sure we'll get to in the quotes. <laughs> but producers took down a, a Simple Jack website which they'd made, which I dread to think what was on there. <laughs> um, <laughs> they did propose altering the movie in response to a special early screening for the disability groups in question. But in the end, they decided not to change it and co-writer Eaton Cohen's defence was uh, the scenes were simply meant to satirise emotionally exploitative depictions of mental disability in movies such as Rain Man, Forrest Gump, I Am Sam and Radio and so they said that in fact they were an allies to the cause with the character they portrayed in this film. I do think, get out. I, I sort of think if if they change it, if you've, if you've once you've done it I know it's not it's not great, but you sort of have to just just own up to yeah. it, don't you? And say this this is the film we've made. Like I know it's just completely different films, but Tarantino did it with Inglorious Bastards. He got a lot of criticism for being a non Jewish director making that film. Um with the topics that are covered and he just said, Well look, this is the film I've made. I sort of think you've got to do it. Once yeah. you've done it once you've with done it, chest. you've got to say, look, 
yeah, this this is the film we've made, and here it is. I also can't believe that the fact that they had a Vietnam vet pretending, or a Vietnam vet in quotes pretending to be disabled, and that just skated <laughs> under the table. No, no one, no one thought that was offensive. That yeah, whole, no, that doesn't make it, the offensive cut. <laughs> no, his all angle, his all angle is pretending to be pretending to yeah. be disabled and be injured as a veteran, um, which obviously the Americans are pretty pretty hot on. Um, and that just skated through completely. I am surprised. <laughs> if you thought that Robert Downey Jr. had a big decision to make, uh, so did Jack Black. It was said by Jack Black himself that he first declined his role in the movie due to the fact he would have to colour his hair blonde. <laughs> <laughs> he soon changed his mind, but still not too pleased with dyeing his hair. So there you go. He, he suffered for the studio. cause as well. <laughs> yeah, he lives in a studio. Robert Downey Jr. and I was like, oh, maybe yeah, I've, got so, I've got to sounds- do it. Sounds like that figure's gone from a three to a four. Um, the nerve in kind of having that uproar when filming this, where you are essentially playing into every stereotype that is going on in the film. Yeah. And they must realise <laughs> that about themselves. Yeah, you couldn't really have any requests, could you? You'd just be seen as a prima no. donna if you did on anything. You'd be like, no, no, can't. Yeah. Well, there's when the big it... bit. Sorry, I can say there's the big but the whole thing with Matthew McConaughey in the film will have what he's trying to do is get him, get him T-Bow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and Joey's the agent who caters to, to every need. So TK's probably right. You'd be scared to ask for a bottle of water. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say that I know you said about um, them tiptoeing the line with uh, a Vietnam veteran and they actually got on board for the war scenes here. The guy that kind of put together the scenes for Platoon yeah. Because Ben Stiller knew of him because he auditioned for Platoon yeah, and didn't get the role. But big reference to Platoon as well in the opening or the opening bit that they shoot for the film. Yeah, so they brought him on board, and then were worried that he might be trying to sabotage things. So Ben Stiller kind of sat him down and asked if he was definitely comfortable with doing it because he is essentially having to laugh at. The film he what what <laughs> what know. even just because he hasn't only done platoon that's literally his job so they said you're literally here making a mockery of your the way you make a living <laughs> and the guy I, I wish I had his name said that no he, he enjoys dark humor and as long as they aren't putting anything together that makes a mockery of veterans or soldiers themselves then he was fine to do whatever he was doing so he said as long as there was nothing too over unrealistic for soldiers then he would do that so obviously that passed his mark <laughs> yeah low threshold the film essentially came about because of Ben Stiller being rejected for the role in Platoon took it to he, heart yeah well he says that I thought I'd taken this down but obviously not so he was then listening to people from that film and other war films talk about the boot camps they had and things and he said it really kind of made him laugh because these actors were talking as if they really had gone to war and like <laughs> they knew what it would be like because they'd spent time away filming this. And so he said that was literally the motivation for making this film, just to make a mockery of these people that he'd listened to throughout his career. It sounds like so, it sounds like Jordan in the last dance where anything happened. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I took it personally. That's essentially, this, this is Ben Stiller's moment of taking it personally. 
I wasn't good enough, so I'm going to... Or you didn't like me enough to put me in it, so I'm going to make a film ridiculing all of you. Oh, the I've thing with it is, the funny thing with that beat, I do envisage him as being a guy who does take himself quite seriously. Yeah. So to then, off the back of this rejection, make a film with, about people who take themselves too seriously, <laughs> sure, he's not taking it well. I never got... I, I maybe did, or I never got that impression. Like you remember, he did that thing with Ricky Gervais, where he, he basically takes he, he takes the piss out of himself. Was it extras episodes? Something like yeah, that? Um, where he comes true. In, no, he is in extras, isn't he? Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he plays a big time version of himself. Like, I think mm. even the big joke he makes is, "Do you know how much meat the fuck is made on its opening weekend?" <laughs> um, I don't know, like even with the the Zoolander stuff, like a lot of what he does is is parodying, or not a lot of it, but it's, it's parodying. Uh, can't even speak, so parodying famous people. So I think he's got quite a light-hearted sense of humour. I think maybe where he's had a couple more serious roles, maybe I just thought that he's envisioned himself as a bit more of a serious well, actor, just, a comedy, just a comedy guy. Uh, I, I, I got. It. I mean, you might be right, mate. In later years, because I mean, there's a lot of it. Like Walter Mitty, like Byron just said, that I've never seen. Um, Great film. In the last last thing, I, don't know, I think it might have been before this. This might have been the last thing that I've seen him do properly. Tower heist um, gets slept on. Yeah. Oh, is that him and Eddie Murphy? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have seen that. that um, cool. Can we all agree Starsky and Hutch is in at his best? Yeah, yeah we've we still got dodgeball to come. No, I, I, I know, but I meant what I said. Starsky and Hutch is, is him, at his, him at his best. <laughs> him yeah, and Ethan, he's in a film with like, his best mate, him and Owen Wilson, are, like best house, apparently. So. Well, I've got casting what ifs here, so. Owen Wilson was originally set to play Rick Peck, um, but slight dark side for uh, the pod. After his attempted suicide, Ben Stiller gave the role to Matthew McConaughey so that Owen Wilson could have some time off. Seems Owen uh... Wilson attempted suicide? Yep. Friend of the pod. So that actually does add more to when we later do uh, would Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson improve this film? There you go. You don't have to think too hard. Uh, and even before that, Ben Stiller originally planned to play Rick Peck with Keanu Reeves playing Tug Speedman. That would have, that would have, that would have been decent. Although, I don't know about Stiller as the agent. Um, I think McConaughey does a really good job. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It essentially thought. would have been his White Goodman character as the agent. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> it would have been interesting to see I I I, got, I don't really like him. I've only seen bits of it, but Bill and Ted. But I've not really seen Keanu Reeves do much in no. the way of light-hearted stuff. So it'd have been interesting to see what he would have done with it. According to Robert Downey Jr., the character Kirk Lazarus was based on a combination of Russell Crowe, Daniel Day Lewis, and Colin Farrell. So there you go. I don't know how that reflects on them. Going to say that's not a great thing for them to hear. I'm sure. Also, how does Colin Farrell sneak at, sneak in? Into that category with those. Yeah. <laughs> no, no offense to him. I really like his films, but he's not. He's, he's, he's not pleasant to get thrown looks. in with those boys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, like a, any actor should be happy being compared to those two, but I don't, I don't know about that. Maybe um, he just tried to steal Colin Farrell's Irish accent. <laughs> well, this this bit of trivia here then reflects even worse now that you know how things played out. So, Kevin Hart was approached to play the role of Al Pacino a closeted homosexual and rapper. Um, but he turned it down saying that his character was really flagrant and he's pointed out that he points out that he would never accept a role where he has to kiss another man, imply that he would kiss another man or anything of the sort. 
he added that he meant no harm against the LGBTQ community and that he just wasn't confident that he could convincingly play a gay character as nobody would believe it. <laughs> that's, the biggest lo- that's the biggest load of bullshit I've heard all day. Yeah. One insecure bloke. That's, a, that's, a, that's amazing, by the way. I didn't mean any offence. Uh, yeah, you did. Uh, this is his self of his arm. It just wouldn't be believable. That's all it is. I'm just thinking about the film. Yeah, well, he I said mean, years later, didn't he, in his stand-up, that he would beat his son if he turned yeah. out to be gay and then tried to defend it after. So, no, no, it's just it's stand-up comedy. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, no. He, when you then like, look through and he's got a history of saying similar things. Yeah, no, he, he, like, at this point, I think everyone should just agree he's homophobic. Um, That's why he lost his Oscars thing, wasn't it? Because the tweets yes. came out where he was dropping the F-bomb. Yeah. And then he, he did his apology and you're like, yeah, okay, but there is a, there's, there's more than, there's quite a few incidents. I actually mm. didn't know about this one. Um, Celebrity apologies are essentially just sorry you called me. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, sure. cons- it's sorry, sorry you called me and trying to work out how long you've got to go away for before you can come back. <laughs> Please keep buying my film. Yeah. That is actually a, a great point. Timing the time away. Yeah. How, how big is my indiscretion? How long have I got to go away? Look at You, you need someone else to do something worse <laughs> and then sneak back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, I mean, that's what Mel Gibson did really, wasn't it? He got, he got back behind the camera before he came back in front of it. <laughs> I, I think I referenced it on the last episode we did, the South Park episode where the uh, Miss Teacher banged the boy. And she comes out and says, you got to understand that I was under the influence of alcohol when I did this. And Cartman <laughs> screams and he's like, no, she's doing a Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah, like a timing, how long you go away for is, is the, is probably the biggest point. Because I, I don't think, I don't think many people actually believe celebrity apologies is there. I think everyone, no. ni- 90% of people see through the facade. Really? Basically, I'm apologizing for getting caught. It's unfortunate because if you have a genuine apology in there, it's like, well, sorry, man, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, there probably yeah. are people who are genuinely apologetic for, for what they've done, and it just gets lost in the mire of that. You're just saying yeah. this to saying this to save yourself. But thinking of a, Warren, you said about timing, like hope someone else does something worse. About that time. Yeah. You also don't want to be too close to that time though, because I remember around the time that Harvey Weinstein got sort of found out and stuff. Basically, if anyone had any any sort of slight smear on the record, yeah, it was getting wow. It's like so they'd list off names at Wise and then they'd like include this person and they'd be like, well, hang on, there is a drop-off in terms of what yeah. these two did. <laughs> well, yeah. a lot of them got lucky by the fact that Louis C.K. was just wanking on people without their permission and well, it kind yeah. of overshadowed everything else. Yeah, but he exactly, that was a similar sort of time, wasn't it? He got thrown in as like, Weinstein was like, well, that's really weird and creepy what he did, but it still isn't quite the same it's, sort of it's thing. Not, it's, it's not the same level. And yet he's like, kind of, to an extent, been cancelled. So, uh, I will, he, he I will say for, for here, we probably shouldn't. I mean, we our conversation about the good looking in our scale for Clark Duke wasn't great. I just don't want us to get caught here in a sexual misdemeanor scale, creating <laughs> one. So uh, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> can't be the I can't be the new Hall of Fame, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. Space is straight in, right up there. Out of order episode where we rank out of 10. Yeah. That joke's not making it through the editing. (laughs) I thought with a cast this good that it would be a shame for us to not really kind of do somewhat of a deep dive on each of them. So if I kind of run through the characters and we can give our take on 
the actor and kind of the character they played, considering the cast that there is. So, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. We've mentioned. Do you think there's? Do you think it helped that it was him that did this role because he did he did this? People tried to cancel him, and then were like, "Oh, he is actually playing Iron Man later this year," which we do <laughs> really want to see. <laughs> now he's played it perfectly. If you have something bigger lined up. Then it's something people want to see. You can get away with murder. I know there was the kind of half theory that when you look at his early career, like he's tried cancelling himself so many times and just realised <laughs> it's not going to happen. And so now he's just he's just free because nothing he's ever done has been pulled up, so he can just get away with everything. <laughs> I was say, didn't he, he got into quite a lot of trouble as a as like a, a young actor. Yeah, he was in he was in all sorts. Um, but I actually don't. I don't know. Maybe it's too young. But I, do you remember there being that any sort of backlash? I actually don't. From from the film, I, it's only years down the line you hear it get mentioned here. There, like, I remember I it being we, one that was sold essentially on the fact that this is the most offensive comedy of the year. You've got to see this, that kind of thing. But it was more so for the retard comment than blackface. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Um, I don't like. I don't really remember there being that much of an outrage against that. Maybe, like I said, I was too young and missed missed a lot of it, a lot of it. But I don't really remember there being that big an outrage. It's something that's been just came across the later. I'm in a similar boat. I don't know whether because we measure it on how crazy it would be if something got like this got released yeah. today. Yeah, maybe our sort of comparison of where how outraged we think things should be and things were people aren't as outraged as they are currently do you think it helps that he does have this not negative persona but he has enough attached to him that it's not too shocking in the kind of the scene of time so say you had jay baruchel does the role or jack black does the role or ben sillers does the role i think it's a lot more mental for them to do it and you probably would have had some more pushback if any of them had done the role and got into blackface if Jack Black did it I don't see that going well because enough people hate him as it is <laughs> I feel like I could yeah. see I could see someone like well Russell Brand came to mind I could see him in it almost and Charlie Sheen is the other one I thought of if they're going to play that role someone a bit off yeah. the wall an actor of that kind of ilk, yeah. So he's a bit, bit controversial anyway. I think if you get yeah, anyone else cut, could you? in the cast, Danny McBride is probably your next best bet for who can't, can get can't, away with it. Can't do it. He's got a southern. He's got a southern accent. Do you not think <laughs> it, it? It needs to be quite clearly like a parody. Like I you think, need someone that is going to ham it up to the max because I if think, you have to do that and it looks like you, try you are it. mocking it rather than making it. A character. Yeah, I think Sean Shout of Russell Brand is, I was going to say, okay. It, it would have worked for the same reason. That would have been you, really irritating. <laughs> I know you're not his biggest, like his greatest fan, but it, what, if you give him that, you could, from everything I've seen him do in film, you can only assume he's going to take that to an 11. Like he's going to do everything and then it's going to be clearly a joke. <laughs> Still, it's, it's not, it's not a great joke. Um, it's probably, like as we've said, it would still be offensive, but the only way you can get away with it. Or, or like they did get away with it is by just being so stereotypical that this is a joke. Well, we said they, before, sorry. 
child, and he said, even there's a little clip as you as we come to the quotes where him and um, Al Pacino they have a talk, and he, Al Pacino mimics his voice of, of his imp- does an impersonation of him impersonating the black bloke. Um, and the, the, that's that's another thing. That's the only way you do it is by going as close to the bone as you can. I was going to say that we've said for the last couple of weeks that there's few more like polarizing people than Adam Sandler in that the people that love him love him, the people that hate him hate him. Yeah. If he'd done this role, people would have been rubbing their hands together like, finally, this is our <laughs> chance. <laughs> He's done. If he makes, if he does this role, he never makes another film ever again. <laughs> if he does this role in his Donnie Burger voice. <laughs> It's like you leading me to try and do the impression. No, no. <laughs> I was just picturing it. But Jack Black, then he's a guy like Seth Rogen, isn't he? Jack Black plays Jack Black in a different yeah. film. Yeah. The way they parody him, kind of like how they parody um, like Big Mama's House and that kind of thing with that fart film that he's a part of, which he yeah. absolutely would be cast in. <laughs> it's quite self-deprecating on his part isn't it yeah because he's literally going in on himself really probably yeah. he wouldn't have been able to do it without these actors in, in that sense that they had to be comfortable enough with their own careers and themselves to get away with this yeah having sort of names behind it definitely does sort of bolster it doesn't it we even just think had... someone that, like, the character of Ben Stiller is obviously in the film, um, what's his name, Tug Speedman. His guy is insecure about what level of actor he is in that. So if you had an actor like that in real life playing this film who's insecure, they would have had a hard time doing it because they would have felt offended in themselves filming the role. <laughs> yeah, true. What do you think about Jay Baruchel in... The role. I'm not sure if I pronounced his name right, but I think he's great. I don't know. Whatever he's in, he's kind of like uh, the skinny guy that's in Knocked Up as well. He's in This Is the End. Oh, he yeah, plays yeah. Sandusky. He's, he's called the Jay man. in. He's called Jay in This Is the End, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, that was the only thing I knew him from before. I only knew him in that before. Before we were watching this, I know. Appreciate obviously in timeline wise, this is. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. This the end came out, you know what I mean, yeah. Um, what we've said in I some think, of the other comedies good in the role. You need the normal guy amongst the parodies yeah. to make the film work. Yeah. He is if, the, he's, he's basically if they took Kevin, he's the most Kevin from American Pie <laughs> esque <laughs> character that we've, we've had since. I'd he, say. he reminds me of, I think he's similar to Justin Long. You could put Justin Long in his role. That's like a good shout. Yeah. Like and they're similar kind of characters. So I sometimes get those two confused as well. <laughs> They've just got a slightly higher-pitched voice on their skinny little <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. Just your type, as you famously once said. <laughs> He's essentially there, isn't he, to push the plot forward. He's the guy that keeps the film moving. Whether yeah. it's him being able to control the map, whether it's him chatting to each character because they won't all chat to each other. And without that, you essentially he's there to try and make it not just a row of skits like what this said about Pineapple Express. It's funny you should say that. It's like you're just taking out my heads because it's literally he's kind of the difference maker in those films that you don't really have 
the sort of straight guy in Pineapple Express, hence why it comes across as just a bunch of skits. Whereas this is yeah. him, like you like you said, saying, "Are you sure we should be going this way? No, we're supposed to be going that way." Sort of thing. Literally guides the, the guides the film, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got uh, Brandon T. Jackson is Al Pacino. What else has he been in? I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> a little random one for you. He was in Percy Jackson. Oh, God, what an awful film that was. Agreed, <laughs> agreed but he does make an appearance. <laughs> he was Please. also in uh, Bojack Horseman as Corduroy Jackson Jackson. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's the cartoon that about a horse. Yeah. Yeah. It gets very quickly too depressing. <laughs> oh, I've not, I've not seen it. Yeah, I've actually not watched the last season because it was getting a bit too depressing. Yeah. I'm going to have to check this out, I think, because... You guys, both said, you guys have both said that it's funny and then it gets really depressing. So it is really funny the happens. first couple of seasons, but then it does get proper not, depressing. <laughs> I know my, bro- my brother's a big fan uh, of it and he keeps telling me to watch it, but it's a cartoon about a horse, so I can't see, yeah. where, I enjoy- I can't see, I can't see where I enjoy it. <laughs> He's also been in a um, Big Mama's House spin-off, so he did well to land this, I think, when you look at the thing we've been in before this. A film called Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town, playing a character called Dick. So there we go. He's really profited from uh, <laughs> Kevin Hart's homophobia. Well, he didn't He didn't really go into anything after. So actually, he got Bojack Horseman after, but that's really it. Unless Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town is some gold mine <laughs> I've never seen before. But Ben Stiller then, do you think he he was right to essentially cast himself in this role? I think he nails it, yeah, yeah. Just a quick one. Did everyone know until today that he directed this? Or before today that he directed this? I did not. No, I didn't know that, no. Only from the I knew credits. he was quite, I knew he was quite prominent in it, but I didn't realise. I actually, like, he was only when I was looking at it for purposes of the pod that I saw that he directed it. Um, which, I mean, I don't know if he directed anything before. Um, but if, if not, if this is his first time out, then you've got to give him, got to give him some credit, because I think the casting choices he makes, or he's, 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 he's involved with the job. That's meant to be people. I don't like. I don't know how, how. Like I don't know how big a sort of how big a say in that he he, he had if it, with it. But I think he does a pretty good job. But I actually really like him. Funnily enough, the only person I would other person I'd want to see in the main role, other than like Keanu for it being interesting, I'd quite like Tom Cruise to come in and play Tug Speedman. But I don't know if you can get Tom Cruise to commit to that level of parodying. No, I, I would question that as well. That, that level of that level of parody, when the, I think for a long time, diva the the, the diva male actor, I think your first person to come to mind might have been Tom Cruise. Well, he essentially think... took his role, Tom Cruise, to be petty. He'd had a fallout with a director who I didn't take down the name of. But essentially, he's parodied that director as much as he can in the look and everything in this role. And that's wow. essentially what he's done with the character. Incredible. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> if you know this guy, then you would be like, that's absolutely him. So that's he's what he's done with the role. He's humiliated, poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think about Steve Coogan? Because I said to Ke- Keenan that I find it impossible to not see him as Alan Partridge. It is, isn't it? But I, I think he is perfect role in terms of 
how people, I think, particularly Americans, see the sort of the hapless Brit. Yeah. I think he plays that perfectly. I got quite hyped up by his speech before he steps on a landmine. Yeah. He's yeah. pumping me up. <laughs> Danny McBride is great as a guy who's just kind of... <laughs> he is what he is. Yeah, but he's very good at... Oh, for, for me, I think he's very good at what he is. Yeah. He, know, he knows it, he owns it, and he, t- he takes it on. And But that's really, if you're doing something like that, that's what you want. What do you think about Nick Nolte as well, in his role as Four Leaf? It's, it's a nice cameo. It's, it's a, a, quite a big big name for them to get. So it's that. more than a cameo, because he's in quite a bit outside of the main guys. Hmm. Yeah, I just think of his kind of uh, monologue in Warrior where he's explaining things and he kind of does the same where he's just doing that. What's the bloke's name? Uh, guy did the wrestler. Mickey Rourke. Mickey yeah. Rourke. He's just doing like a Mickey Rourke voice the whole way through. <laughs> he's just, uh, just low and swallowed swallow the bag of nails. Yeah. <laughs> Probably thought he has a smoking non-stop. <laughs> it does change the course. And your face it, according to what you said earlier. It does. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, I thought, is quality in this. Mark. Gold. Almost perfect. Mm. Well, we mentioned Owen Wilson earlier, and usually I would be all for, no matter who it is, get him out. I don't think he can be... The, the asshole as much as Matthew McConaughey is like as close to the mark as Owen Wilson can really do with that is Drew Taylor, and even then he's not that much of an asshole. Even then he's quite he's quite lovable. Yeah, um, I think okay. McConaughey. Sorry, mate. Carry on. Okay. Okay. I was going to say McConaughey essentially just a couple of years or a few years later he just brings takes takes Rick Peck essentially into War for Wall Street, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> plays, plays Mark Hanna in War for Wall Street. I do like him. With with that sort that energy, I was going to say I can see Cruz in that role. I don't know if we mentioned that earlier, but I can see Cruz in the agent role. Obviously, he played an agent, Jamie Guire, but like mm. that's another position in the film that I could see him doing, as opposed to anyone else. But yeah, I, I don't really, as Byron said, I, I can't really imagine Owen Wilson in that position. No. It's just too lovable. Should we get on to the categories then before we decide what the Go winner on. is? So, yep. Not this is where we do the quotes, so this is where we've got all sorts being chucked out here. One of the ones... Um, oh, go, go on. on. No, go on. As I say, one of, the one that immediately sits out to me is, Robert Downey's character says, what do you mean, you people? And then <laughs> Alpacina says, what do you mean, you people? <laughs> God damn it! We lost! We fucking super lost, man! Tell them, McCluskey. Tell them what time it is. I don't believe you people. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Huh? I, I think what uh, Tug man. means is you no, people, you actors, ass, man. you people. Exactly. Look at that beady. What are you talking to me? I gotta get back to the answers. Chill, all right? Just chill it. And that bit gets me every time. I feel like they did the whole blackface just for that punchline. Yeah, yeah. It could have yeah, literally all been built It's like that. he imagined that joke in his head and then worked the film around it. Because yeah. that is essentially <laughs> the, the payoff for him being black because the, the rest of it, aside from him being 
a guy who apparently ne- never leaves his character. They that's get the main payoff for. They get a couple of jokes like that, don't they? They get the yeah. begin- bit, bit of the beginning where they introduce Robert Downey's character and they show him having plastic surgery. Um, and they get his, <laughs> they get his monologue towards the end where he removes the hair, removes the beard, and then he changes voices and gives the little Irish accent. Um, uh, when he says, maybe... I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They, they get that in there as well. <laughs> Which Rose doing all of the, uh, stereotypes. My brain's going dead here. Where he's saying, when they stop and he's like, I can get some crawfish. If you get me those greens there, then I can put this together. And he starts even accentuating his voice even more than he already was. <laughs> and that's when he says, uh, why am I in this movie? Maybe it's because I knew I had to represent because they have one good partner for a black man and they gave the crocodile Dundee. He says, come your breaks, kid. That man's a national treasure. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I just wanted to throw another shrimp on your barbie. So there you go. <laughs> I don't read the script. The script reads me. That's gold. That is absolutely gold. That sums that character up perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. The most used one from this was everybody knows you never go full retard everybody knows you never go full retard what do you mean check it out Dustin Hoffman Ray Man look retarded act retarded not retarded count two picks cheated cards autistic show not retarded you got Tom Hanks Forrest Gump slow yes retarded maybe braces on his legs but he charmed the pants off next to him and he won a ping pong competition that ain't retarded he was a goddamn war hero. Right. You know any retarded war heroes? You went full retard, man. Never go full retard. That was like yeah. a meme before memes. It was quoted. Like This was the first time I'd seen the film the whole way through, and I still knew that scene. Yeah. I was waiting for it the whole point to that, <laughs> along with the what do you mean, you people? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I also like, um, I actually like that whole speech where he goes through and says, Sean, Sean Penn, 2001, I am Stan, <laughs> uh, won an Oscar, uh, Dustin Hoffman won an Oscar, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man won an Oscar, um, it's quite good. The Les Goodman, as, as a, like, favourite quotes, the Les Goodman, um, as a couple, um, I do like the bit where he's talking to Four Leaf and he says, you're a great American, this country owes you a huge debt, now shut the fuck up and let me do my job. <laughs> yeah. he, he's got loads. Yeah. So first, take a big step back and literally fuck your own face. <laughs> yeah. That, that rant down the phone to him is yeah. maybe one of, one of the best. It says, we get yeah. no money, price now 100 million, you pay an hour tomorrow, simple chat dial. Les Grossman. We not get money yet. Price now 100 million. You pay now or tomorrow, simple chat dial. Great. Uh, let me get this down. 100 million. Oh, wait. I got a better idea. Instead of a hundred million, how about I send you a hobo's dick cheese? Then you kill him. Do your thing. Skin the fucking bastard. Go to town, man. Go to town. No. In the meantime, and as usual, go fuck yourself. No. We don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> um, I do like when he's talking to Rip Peckers on. He's like, look, after a while, I mean, I'm talking a long, long way down the road. We file an insurance claim, and then Bill Hader, <laughs> says, Bill Hader says, "I mean, the claim's worth more than the movie would lose." So, and they just make the decision to let him go. <laughs> well, Ron, that bit he says, uh, "We don't negotiate with terrorists," and the room starts applauding him. 
I think it was when Pep first comes in the room, he says, uh, look, Foxnick, I'm incredibly busy, so why don't you get the hell out of it before I snap your dick off and jam it in your head? And he looks at the woman and he says, no, not you, Helen, but I will rip your tits off if you don't get me those theatres. <laughs> he says to the director, from now on, my fist is going to be so far up your shit or the next time you have a thought, it's going to have to tiptoe past my wedding room. <laughs> I'd like to know this direct. I'd like to know if any of them are direct quotes from this director. Yeah. He was apparently written off. Then Tugs just killed the panda. He says, "I killed one, Rick. The thing I love most in the world." And he says, "Rick, Tug, I killed one, Rick. The thing I love most in the world." Vivica, get off the line now. A hooker. All right, you killed a hooker. Calm down. Here's what you're going to do. Get your hands on some bleach, some hydrogen peroxide, and a shitload of lime. No, a panda. I killed Amanda. Amanda? Come on, dude. I mean, that, that's probably not even a real name. A hooker, all right. You killed a hooker. Yes. You're going to get the hands on some bleach, some hydrogen peroxide, <laughs> and a shitload of lime. Um, Jack Black talking to... Uh, he's talking to Al Pacino, and he says, uh, Al, if you let me go. Uh, I'll suck your dick, stroke the shaft, cradle the board, <laughs> swallow the gravy. <laughs> the gravy <laughs> killed me. <laughs> Alpha, if you untie me, I will literally suck your dick right now. I told you for the last time, I love the pussy. I'll cradle the balls, stroke the shaft, work the pipe, and swallow the gravy. Get it over here, buddy. Let's do this. Come on, baby. Let's do this. Um, I do. He's quite good in this. I'm not a great one for Jack Black, but he does does do this well. Um, <laughs> there's also the bit where they've got him uh, on the red carpet, and he's like, "Look, um, do you think you could? Everyone thinks they could do what I do. You can't do this." Like, um, and he gives the speech to the reporter. Um, other quotes. Do you like School of Rock? I, I do. So what? I think that I think that's more nostalgia now. I haven't seen that in a very long time, but I liked it when it came out. Um, the, the scene where Robert Downey Jr. is pretending to be the farmer, and even while pretending to be like another nationality, he's still putting on his American accent through, <laughs> where he's still staying in character, playing another character. Yeah, is just sensational. <laughs> I do also like the like the line on the left farmer, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you could you could take that and and put that into a lot of action films and it would work. If you look on Reddit, essentially like any discussion to do with this film, and at each thread there's someone who says, I'm a lead farm, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> whatever I, is I, going on. I can see that. Um I do just as another quote, I do also like the bit where the him and Robert Downing Jr. are talking and he gives him some advice on asking a woman out and he's like, Oh, what's her name? And he goes, Lance. <laughs> he's like, what? Uh, like, what? What did you say? Did you say Lance? He's like, no, 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 I didn't, didn't say Lance. I'm Al, I'm, I'm, I'm Al Pacino. I love the pussy. And he says, uh, and Robert Downey Jr. says to him, when you wrote, I love the pussy, were you thinking about dangling your dice on Lance's forehead? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Any other ones before we carry on? Uh, um, you make me, you m- 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 make me happy. Is oh, there's a lad, there's a lad, it's, t- it's awful. But there is a lad that I work with who still uses that to this day. <laughs> All you had to say is a lad you were with, I was a stutter and I was going to think Christ. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've, I've heard him use it. It's not very rare, but I have, I've heard him use that four or five times. 
Um, <laughs> which twelve years down the line isn't bad. <laughs> no, nothing commitment to it, that is. Yeah. What do you think is the best moment or scene in the film? My my favorite laugh out loud moment was when Ben Stiller launches a kid into the river. <laughs> <laughs> it broke me. Well, he keeps trying to die while he's not dying. <laughs> Says he can't feel his legs and they're just in a puddle. He stops again, <laughs> and then he he thinks he stops again after that when he tries going back for the kid. <laughs> um, one of the favorite moments just for like actual laugh out loud is is Steve Coogan dying. Yeah, um, it's hilarious, isn't it? It's just he's giving that big speech like, "Come on, we can we can do this. We can turn this around." And then he takes a step to takes a step to his right, and his head comes off. The shot, um, Yeah, and then and then yeah, when he's stuck. Yeah, carry on. Sorry, I'm going to say the same thing where he's like, "Look, it's his corn syrup," and he's like, starts starts playing with the head and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he starts eating it. It's, it's like game night, which we're going to get to, isn't it? Where uh, the game inside a game there, and there's yeah, yeah. like this, and the characters are never sure themselves which part they're in. I think that's one of the, the genius parts of Ben Stiller's character is just how much he does believe yeah. like, almost all of it is still actually just all a, an act. The opening scene is, is is my favorite, like the opening like film scene with Jay Burchell's inside spilling out, Chuck Black on the counter, <laughs> Ben Stiller's arms missing. <laughs> <laughs> Not being able to cry. My one. Everything about that. I like following on from what TK said. I quite like the interrogation part where Stiller still thinks it's he still thinks it's real. No, he still thinks <laughs> it's a film. And he's like, come back and do it again. <laughs> the Vietnam guy's going mad. And then like following on from that, when he has to do a simple Jack performance in front of all of them as well. <laughs> You said about that, with, even with the quotes, where uh, one of them says the, the Viet Congs, and he's like, it's already plural, you wouldn't say Chinese is. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said not being able to cry. One of the quotes is, didn't your dog have leukemia as a kid? Or <laughs> Brutal. Who, who's the best side character for you? I think it's the pet, uh, but I may be being yeah. harsh on Tom Cruise there. I've got there my two shouts, but I would probably I think I think if you ask most people, I think Tom Cruise would probably yeah. win it. But my my actual choice would be would be Rick Peck. No, I'd, I'd give the nod to Tom Cruise. I think his one's hilarious. But uh, I do think the the hooker conversation is maybe the funniest quote from the film. I will give Peck <laughs> that. Uh, the soundtrack for this, so. If you look down for something memorable, so you, you've got Al Pacino's song, as you said, you've also got You Can't Touch This in there, and you've got Low by Flowrider, which oh, wasn't yeah, going to be in the film until mm. right before the film was uh, due to kind of have its final cut. This became like the biggest song in the world. It was top of the billboard and everything, and so yeah. they had a space to dub a song in, and that's why they went for Low, just to give it something more to take it up a notch. It's also a great scene on that place where he did, where he does give the dance. Yeah. Um, but and he does it in the credits as well. Yeah. Which is just like the way he built warms up into it when he just flicks it on behind his head and he just starts, starts moving. Um, yeah. Soundtrack wise, it's, it's not a great week for this category, really, is it? Well, should we, should we get into picking the winner now? So let's do yeah. it. If we go down as, as we do. Um, if we start with, 
Sean, I'll go to you first because I think I know your answer. Which did you prefer? Uh, yeah, so I prefer Tropic Thunder. It's, it's you know, not not too much of a surprise from uh, how the pot's gone. TK? Um, this might be the most split I've been. Yeah, same. I, I, I mean, in all honesty, I actually don't know the answer to this. I'll, I'll say Pineapple Express, but I'm not saying it with any great confidence. Keenan? Pineapple Express. Uh, I'll be honest, for, for me, I think it's Tropic Thunder. Yeah. And I don't right. feel good saying it, but. I, well, I mean, this is probably one of the closer weeks we're, we're, we are going to have, but I think Pineapple Express wins it more. Probably wins it more as well, if you gave me a choice. Just simply between putting the two on now, I'd choose pineapple well, express. This is what I would go on to. So I think this is the best case of justifying having rewatchability in there as well as which did you prefer? Because I do find pineapple express infinitely more rewatchable. Yes, yeah, a lot. But nicer. Tropic Thunder, I think, was the better film, which yeah. is why I think I preferred it. Fair enough. I think for a comedy, usually if I'm going to put a comedy on. I wouldn't pick one that's explosions and guns and all of that because it's not so much of an easy watch when you've got all of that going on around it. And usually if I am going to rewatch a comedy, it's going to be something like that. So that's why I think Pineapple Express, as much as it does have that, I think you've got enough of the skits, which it sounded like we were criticising it earlier, but I don't think we were because that's just what the film is, yeah. with it being a lot of skits tied together so in terms of rewatchability I think Pineapple Express would be my pick yeah I would go go the same way yep Sean uh, <laughs> well I go Tropic <laughs> Thunder even though the vote doesn't really count for anything but no. there you go this could be interesting if um, this is a tie at the end because we're tied on which we prefer which is the initial tiebreaker <laughs> <laughs> um most quotable. Oh. It's a tough week. Mm. It really is. It's tough. Well, this, <laughs> it's tough. This, this has got really awkward really quickly. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'll say Pineapple Express, but again, it's... There's not much in this. I'm going to go uh, Pineapple Express. While I was noting down quotes while watching and afterwards, I've got much more, I think, for Pineapple Express than I have for Tropic Thunder. There's a lot more physical comedy, which we've said before, which sounds like we're trying to be uh, a bit pretentious, I think, when we're breaking it down like that. But there's a lot more laughing at what you see in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Whereas it's, yeah. it's kind of the rapport between the characters and the breakdowns in Pineapple Express. Yeah, I'd probably go for Pineapple Express then. Just make it a clean sweep. Pineapple Express. Now, for best quote, I'm the opposite here. I think yeah, I'm going never go for retard is... Uh, and even, what do you mean, you people? They were probably the most I laughed across the two films at one singular quote. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you on that, I think. Uh, mine is Tropic Thunder, but mine is the Jack Black speech when he's trying to get out. Uh, see if you let me go, I'll suck your dick straight up. <laughs> yeah. we'll swallow the gravy. That is very <laughs> that, good. That, that, that's the most I laugh at any single line in either, either of the films. Uh, what, what would, if we 
start with you then, Keenan. So what would be your best moment or scene? What would be your winner across the two films? Uh, across the two films is the fight in Red's apartment. It's my favorite, it's my favorite part out of the two films. Um, it, it, yeah, the, uh, got me just, just thinking now. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it that. Sean? Uh, yeah, to narrow it down to one scene, I'd probably go with the same. If I had to just, I'm not sure I can pick just one scene from Tropic Thunder which stands out to me. There's a few, like, quotes or little sequences, but not like a whole scene. So, yeah, I'd probably go for that fight with, uh, Red as well. You're like the quintessential swing voter you get in America where each <laughs> thing, like someone says on the podium, is charming <laughs> you either way. <laughs> yeah. I agree with Keenan. That would be my pick for the scene across the two in TK. Yeah, bearing in mind in Tropic Thunder, I said my favourite moment was him launching a kid into a river. You can't really, <laughs> I can't really class that as a scene. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely got to be Pineapple Express, I think. For the, for the same scene, if it wasn't for that scene, I'd then even the second one would probably be, like I said, the dinner at the dad's. <laughs> so. Now, I, th- I think this one may have been tied up partially by the kind of boundaries that we set for characters. So has having Red being counted as a side character, does that win Pineapple Express the section or would you is put Red a, a side, side character, character for Tropic Thunder? Then you said I... about is Red a side character compared to the side characters in the other film? He isn't, is he? I would no. say he's a side character, no. Compared to them, it's, oh, it's tricky. I wouldn't, going in, I wouldn't have said he was a side character, but no, I'm all about democracy. So, I... so I'm go- I'm going for for Rick Peck. That would be my vote. Uh, so yeah, Tropic if, Thunder would win it for me in this. If if Red isn't there, then I take the Peck and there's uh, Grossman over Matheson or Budlowski or anyone in Pineapple Express. Uh, yeah. If um. Yeah, if if red's not included, I would give it to I'd give it to Peck. I think that it would go red if you if he was included, it would go red, Peck, Grossman, and then Matheson would be my two from each film. So it would go to Tropic Thunder if he's not there. TK. Yeah, I would I would probably tend to agree with that. It sounds like we're swinging towards not having red as a side character to me. Yeah. In which case, I have well, I've got. Tom Cruise's character as the best one, but again, Tropic Thunder still. Yeah, I think this these two categories are where things even out because, in terms of bigger impact, I think Tropic Thunder is fairly undebatable for which one had the bigger impact because you're talking about a worldwide film over a stoner comedy, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And then yeah. next to that, then in terms of originality, this is about as original of a parody as you can get whereas as much as we enjoy Pineapple Express it's not overly original in terms of that type of film well go in and say oh, yeah, I assume it's probably the, the, the original part of it is is the, the murder um, but I mean look at the reviews that you like four or three or four of the reviews that you read out went straight to Cheech and Chong yeah. it's, not, it's not that original is it yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, someone even I don't know it's only a critic's opinion, but someone did call him that the heir apparent. So you can't yeah. really say it's it's particularly uh, that much of an original idea. 
Um, this is where a red or whoever can shine because MVP across both films. That is who's tough. everyone picking? Because <laughs> Sean, that if we go to you first, solid. because I think it maybe might be easier for you. Uh, I don't know. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is like what happened with Sex Drive and Bruce Almighty, where. You said how bad Sex Drive was and then didn't vote for it in like four or five of the spots. <laughs> no, I voted for Bruce Almighty in a lot of ones. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to give it to Tropic Thunder. Um, I'll probably give the MVP would be Stiller's character. So, uh, yeah, Tug so that's, that's what Tug Speedman, yeah. So that's what I'll go for. I'll go for Tug as being the MVP. Keenan, I'm going to have to put you on the spot here. Who is your MVP across both films? Dale Denson. Okay. TK? I'm going to give it to Red so he's got something. I feel like I can't not have him in something. He comes <laughs> up next. He comes up for real start. That's not a judged category. That's not a though. judging category. Though. He still wins it, though. Yeah, I would probably tend to agree with that. Um, um, Red is also going to be my MVP and in terms of I know sometimes we've asked on importance him coming in clutch with the car is quite an MVP calibre move it's, <laughs> it's like LeBron doing the block off the backboard in game 7 <laughs> best soundtrack so this I thought the two peaks against the two peaks would be if you included Paper Planes and Electric Avenue against You Can't Touch This and Low. Okay. If you take that as the answer, um, probably got to go Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I, I, thought, I agree. I thought before you send that in, just after watching both films as well, when I thought about that, this category, I remembered the soundtrack to Tropic Thunder more. So... That's what I'm going to go for. I didn't really pick out the songs that are in Pineapple Express much, so I yeah, went I'm going for Tropic Pineapple Thunder. Express, but Tropic Thunder takes it. I, did, I enjoyed the Electric Avenue, uh, <laughs> yeah, the is... guys stopping him and giving him a little. <laughs> that is a <laughs> great scene. Um, it's probably justice that Tropic Thunder wins that one as well. Bearing in mind the Paper Planes thing, like you said, is the trailer yeah. rather than the film. No. Which film do you think has the best ending? Because this was one I really struggled with. Mm. I I don't struggle with this one too much. I think Tropic Thunder's got the better ending. Personally. Are we counting? Are we saying that Cruz is dancing? Is the that's the ending? No, just how things (laughs) close out. Essentially, how how the plot gets tied together. Yeah, yeah. I saw some people critiquing that. The ending of Tropic Thunder goes against everything they're parodying, parodying beforehand. That they do have the standard ending that they've not really made a mockery of anything. It's, it's hard I not mean, to give this to Thunder based on the comments we made about um, Pineapple Express and the fact that it is kind of just a load of skits put all together and then. I think a diner so. scene in it's comedy meant. is a very good way of bringing things all. It's, it's the equivalent of. In Superbad, them going the next day and chatting in, in, in the mall, essentially, it's just a return to normalcy, as you quoted earlier. Uh, so, I mean, they say in Trump, you didn't, they didn't parody it. He saves them with a TiVo box. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I was that's a pretty good like, parody. I was thinking of the like award ceremony and him getting the success and yeah, yeah. But I would give it to Tropic Thunder. Also, I was just making the argument. I would have given it so I will give my vote to Pineapple Express. I really like that dynasty. Have I got everyone's votes? So did Sean and TK you both said Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder, that's correct, yeah. And finally, um, which film do you think had the best chemistry? I think that's pretty one-sided for Triumph Express, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I go for that as well. I thought that in a, in a strange, in a strange way, the not having chemistry works with Tropic Thunder. They're all, they're all supposed to be a little bit dysfunctional and not agreeing, aren't they? Well, I can reveal this scorecard then, so. I was going to say, I've not been keeping count yet, so I don't know, so. The first, so which do you prefer essentially got iced? So it came down to a best out of 11. <laughs> because we didn't have a tie on any other category there. So it wound up being a 6-5 win to Tropic Thunder. Oh, oh bloody hell. Was that uh, the film you predicted last night to be the 7-5 winner? Um, I actually can't remember what I had last <laughs> night because I eliminated the table afterwards. So, And it was at about 3am. But I had oh, a 7-5 so when I did it. Sean, I make sure I have my prep done properly. <laughs> so no, that it was close, and I think going into most, we've had an idea of what we think is at least certainly an overwhelming favourite. It hasn't always played out that way, like we had with Sex Drive and um, Bruce Almighty, as Sean referenced earlier. <laughs> but that there was certainly an overwhelming favourite going into that one and going into this one I genuinely didn't know which way things were going to fall no this was your real 50-50 Sean texted me saying it was going to be a walkover for Tropic Thunder oof that from not I didn't think that for the whole thing I just thought from my point of view yeah Yeah. which it did turn out that way yeah (laughs) so there we go so Tropic Thunder goes through to the next round to face that's my boy oh so there you go. Clash of styles, that. The return, of Donnie, the return of Donnie Berger. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As always then, despite us now knowing who the victor is, we do have our other talking points. Not effective for the overall judging, but just something for us to think about afterwards. So, Pineapple Express, and I think I know which way this one's going, but real star of the film. Yeah, it's, it's red. Yeah, it is red. Agree. I think uh, Craig Robinson is maybe if if red isn't in the film, then he gets far more plaudits. It's just the fact that it's like coming second to Bolt in the hundred meters. Yeah. <laughs> if you run an incredibly fast time, you you still come second to Bolt being the freak that he is. Tropic Thunder, who do you think is uh, the real star? Tom Cruise? Robert Downey Jr.? Or Ben Stiller, as he was meant to be? John Pacino. Al Pacino, nice. I I think when I think of that film, I do think of Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I do as well. Whether that's for the right reason, but I think he (laughs) makes himself the star of the film in a way with that. He's got the two main punchlines, hasn't he, as well? Mm. Yeah. Um, if you could recast one role, Sean had a great shout with uh, Jay Baruchel for Justin Long. 
was giving me a run for my money. I was solid in the opening weeks and not so great the last two. No, you, <laughs> fold, you, you folded to the pressure, really. <laughs> yeah, that's my one. Um, I haven't got another one, really, from the late night. Anyone else got one for them to uh, recommend? I was strangely trying to work a way of getting Jack Black out of it, but I'm not sure <laughs> I, I can. You could probably sub in someone like, I don't know, you could probably get Seth Rogen in there and do the same sort of puns, to be fair. But Can Jonah Hill do his role? He's a bit more body conscious, I know. So he might yeah, be yeah. Half naked, folded over. <laughs> <laughs> over a, what is it, like a warthog or whatever it is, a water <laughs> bull. Cast and what ifs. Um, none really that spring to mind. I mean, four leaf, as Nick Nolte, you could, you could move out and bring in, bring in other people. Um, but the, I mean, both of them are cast pretty, pretty well. The, the, the main roles for both films are pretty much spot on in there. Could you put Zach Galifianakis in Jack Black's role? That's a great shout. Yes, I think you could. This is pre, this is pre-hangover as well, isn't it? This could Not, have been the thing that set him off. I think if he hangover does, 2009 if, or was it 2007? 2009. Yeah, it was pre then. If he does this, if he, if he were, would have done any world, he would have done this. He probably wouldn't have done hangover. So. You've got, got to weigh up your options. We do um, usually, Keenan, try and get you a way to put Seth Green in the film. Can he replace yeah. uh, Steve Coogan? No. He, I mean, he could. What, what a man. Um, <laughs> but Joe Elsie can replace. <laughs> and I think does a very good job. Is he can replace Jay Baruchel. I think Jay Baruchel is so like sweet and innocent in this. that I think he's I, really good in it. I, just, I do you, you, only see Seth Green as the Amish guy now, which is an issue. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's why I'm saying he can't play the role because he's too much of a swine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do really like Jay Barish on this, but I'm, I'm like you, I like him in most things. I even like him in Goon. Yeah. There's no... Uh... No potential inductees to the Rex Ryan or Leslie Mann no. thing, really, is there? In either of these. Um, I don't know if this is going to come off badly saying this, but I'll, oh, no. I'll say it anyway. <laughs> Chance things. For Al Pacino's role, it, it did very much remind me of the exact character Ludacris plays in Fast and Furious. <laughs> I think I kind of know what you mean, yeah. I, I I understand what you're saying. Uh, I do have point of view. I do have a Rex Ryan uh, candidate, by the way, as he's only well, in the film. One of the just kind of let my suggestion there hang. It doesn't make me feel good. Whatever <laughs> he's thinking. No, if no. no. If you don't have anything nice to say, no, I just can't. I, I, <laughs> I prefer not to speak. I, can't, <laughs> I, I couldn't work out what you were trying to say, so I did, and I didn't want to say something that. Have you not seen Fast it, and Furious? I've seen Two Fast, Two Furious. He's he's in uh, that one, isn't he? Uh, I don't think he is no, no, no he's not in that one he's only in the first one and then the later ones is he not I thought it was the second one he was in Ludacris I'm pretty sure they that's all the one kind he gets of blend in... into one film to be honest oh, 90, 90 no, maybe. Sure that's the one he gets introduced to as the, as the uh, maybe yeah yeah. character's named Tej yeah yeah that's yeah, right that's the one he gets introduced to um, the, the Ken Ken Jong is in this is in Pineapple Express 
Yeah. He plays, he plays an assassin. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. His biggest line is, suck my balls two times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would possibly argue he would go in the Rex Ryan Hall of Fame on the basis that he's only in one scene. Yeah, that isn't... I did forget about that, so that's not a bad shout. He could go in there. Obviously Any other that... recasting for Pineapple Express? Hmm. I'm struggling to think you're going to be able to get in that film. I had a suggestion, but I really don't know if I'm going to be gunned down here for it. Go on. And this is firing from the hip, as, as I've said before. So we're going to keep <laughs> James Franco in the film, and James Franco is going to switch, and he's going to take over Gary Cole's role. It's a nice little rhyme. <laughs> I almost don't want to say that. If, we, if for <laughs> Sal Silver we put in Ashton Kutcher, <laughs> I think he that, can do the role. Oh, it that, could that, bomb that. That could that, bomb. <laughs> that's that could be like it. when Kutcher replaced uh, Charlie Sheen. In yeah. Hey, if you... Some of you haven't seen Dude, Where's My Car? So, to know what a true acting genius Ashton Kutcher is, that does need to be watched first. That's not that's not your best work. What I did have this question from earlier, so we would probably hold Seth Rogen's dating choices against him more if it wasn't Amber Heard in the role. How, <laughs> to replicate the scenario, how close to Amber Heard would the bird in question have to look like? If you give it the scale of one to Amber Heard. There's sure, a, if we uh, there's, you. there's none. I can go out with someone in school who's still in school while you're 25. Do you have to go to the school? It's <laughs> like, like Seth Rogen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to sit outside on a bike. <laughs> I was going to say, in this country, he's definitely waiting outside the gates. Um, <laughs> not even for Amber Heard, Sean. No, not even for Amber Heard. If you'd had a slither of action, Amber Heard's track record would say you would definitely have been stood outside them gates. <laughs> <laughs> she turns men into monsters. <laughs> I still have some other questions to consider before we do the last couple of questions. So, does anyone like? The great outdoors because it kind of they're laughing at Jack Black. I know that he is a heroin addict also, but for hating the fact that he is having to do this long hike and camp. I would be hating that just as much even if you take away the Viet Cong attacking him. <laughs> You'd be more disgruntled with the hike element of it than the My blisters. <laughs> this is this is coming from a guy that does have a Bronze Duke of Edinburgh Award. <laughs> you must have really had to drag yourself around that. I, I really did. <laughs> if you could have seen my face when the person with the map took us a wrong turn. Jesus. <laughs> um, Do any yeah. of you like like the great outdoors, as they say? No. I hate camping. Well, I wouldn't tend to choose to go camping, out. but I like going out. Yeah. Well, my my next question was, um, say they're filming a reality show today. You're put into the army, and it's like a, it's a competition for how long, however long you can last. You win the competition. If I take the financial element out of it, because that might influence how long you stay in there. But how long do you think you could last in the army before saying, 
I'm not an army member. Get me out of here. Quarter an hour. <laughs> I don't think I make it that far. Go in, make my introductions. They they line me up and they probably give me my first task and I say no thank you. <laughs> it's been. Kind. I'd be like Mark in Picture where he's, he does his uh, jog and he says, "You know what? Maybe this has been for me the whole time." When they're shaving my head and I think this isn't so bad after all. <laughs> and then when the action starts, it's like. <laughs> Do ten push-ups, and I'm thinking, "Oh Jesus, get me out of here!" <laughs> yeah, that's what. I mean. That's not straight down to the mat. Um, <laughs> quarter of an hour, honestly. It's when they tell me, "Oh, you've got to do the obstacle course this morning." No, thank you. Where, where, only, do, you want, where do you want me? The way I'm backing yet? myself is if I'm in direct competition with Sean. I think I could outlast Sean if I know that's all I have to do. If it's which of one of us breaks first, I think I outlasted. What are you outlasting me for? In the army. In the army, you aren't outlasting me in the army. I am. I've been paintballing with you. Exactly. Which one of us crawled under the wire netting first? It wasn't me. I tripped as I tried. And you, you cowered more. Well, we were cowering together. This would be a hell of a reality series, to be fair. You two good in the army, we'll just see who's, <laughs> who's got more cowardice. Than um, if the cast swapped which film works best hmm. you've got to back the cast of Tropic Thunder to make some of that Pirate Express <laughs> Avenue more than... <laughs> yeah probably would they've got enough names there to be able to do something <laughs> with it they don't really have someone there's no one no one's going to replace Stiller I don't think out of the Pineapple Express cast no you're being harsh on James Franco no, I don't think I am. He is an <laughs> acting great. Did you not see him as Green Goblin? Christ. Do you actually want an answer to that? <laughs> Did you watch that movie scene I sent earlier, him in Spring Breakers? Do you know I've no. never seen that film? No, but did you watch the scene? No. If I can sell this to you, <laughs> James Franco surrounded by Selena Gomez... I forgot who the other two were. Vanessa Hudgens is in it. Vanessa Hudgens and one of the other Disney people is Miley Cyrus. They're in some joggers that say DTF and a pink balaclava. Sit around the piano as he's a Mexican uh, drug lord singing Britney Spears every time on the piano. I feel like he looks like uh, Sean Paul. That's going to make you watch the film, isn't it? That it's quite a sell. It's not going to make me watch that film he's, whatsoever. He's quoted in there, he says, um, the great Britney Spears, the closest thing to an angel this world has ever seen. And he's did, so right. Did they make sure to check the IDs of all the girls that are surrounding him this time? Well, this, <laughs> this was essentially the Disney girl's way of saying, oh, I'm not a Disney girl anymore. Ah, okay. No, I've not, I've not seen it. And you're... They made James Franco a threesome with two of them in a hot tub. Moving on. Uh, if you <laughs> add Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, does the movie improve? I could see them in, in the Pineapple Express roles. I think it'd be quite interesting. Both movies improve. There's, there's already enough yeah. in Tropic Thunder that you can add two more. And then Pineapple Express can probably do with a bit of pizzazz like they bring. A bit of charm. Yeah. I mean, I'm putting I'm Vince Vaughn in as 
Amber Heard's dad. <laughs> I like yeah. your thinking. Yeah. And I'm putting Owen Wilson in as the teacher at the school. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very two very good shouts, actually. And in Pineapple, in Tropic Thunder, we make special effects these days. The entire Viet Cong is Vince Vaughn's. And <laughs> the little kid leader is Owen Wilson, but like shrunk down. No, that's poor from you. You've undone all no. your good work. Yeah, that would work. You've done well. You've done well this evening, and uh, you've just come up with that nonsense. <laughs> um, Tropic it. Tropic Thunder. Where do you fit them in? I do like Owen Wilson in the Steve Coogan role. Obviously, personal the personal stuff we spoke about obviously didn't make it possible. But I would actually have preferred him in the brief cameo as Steve Coogan rather than the agent. You'd probably have to go Vince Vaughn as Tom Cruise then. No. No, no. Because um, they don't necessarily have... In your example from Pineapple Express means they don't necessarily have to be in the film together, does it, do they? No. Um, so I take Wilson in the Steve Coogan role. And who do I trade out for Vince Vaughn? Essentially any of them, you know. I think he could do Jack Black's job. <laughs> yeah, he, he does a lot, really. Get you somebody you can do both. <laughs> I don't um, think he'd be too upset if they said, put on a... Put on £50 for us for this role. <laughs> no, I think you'd be okay with it. Um, where else can you, where else do you slot him? I do like him in the, the Les, the, the, the Les role, but I don't, yeah, I do, do like him in that, but I, I don't think he, I don't know if he commits to it with the, the prosthetics. I think he just plays it looking like Vince Vaughn. Alright. Well, there, are we putting, um, Entry into the Rex Ryan Hall of Fame, or is that that counting, Sean? You're the gatekeeper here, or do you want a, it's a, group, group a different decision, first entry? No, you, he can go in. He qualifies to go in. You've not charmed me there, but I'll go along with it. <laughs> I think it's quite, it's quite a strong cameo. It's quite. I at yeah. the time, it's not not so much, but he goes on to become quite. Yeah, a it's big, one that's got better with age. Yeah, he goes on to become quite a big name. Does Amber Heard go into the Leslie Mount Hall of Fame on account of her age in the film? There is the mark of questionability where you, you are mean... asking yourself the question. <laughs> no. <laughs> do, you, do you mean the character's age or her age? <laughs> well, I mean, it makes you second guess that you're looking at her in the film because of her age in the film. Yep. Um, no, I think she'd still be above the bar that you've set for that Hall of Fame. Okay. Does tell us what you think about uh, Heather from American Pie, though. So we'll take that on board. Anyway, I set that to your standard. <laughs> you said it, not me. You said it. Try, try and, I've set that. I've set that bar to your standard that you. That tried just to set. about does us for today, I think. <laughs> so there, there we have it. Trumpet Thunder goes into the next round. Next week we've got Dumb and Dumber against Happy Gilmore. So. It's the old school against the slightly old, uh, it's the old school against the slightly older school. <laughs> We've got another Sandler, Jim Carrey, Derby. Does Sandler have any more after this? No. Okay. He secured himself through to the next round regardless, so he's safe. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there we have it. We have Trouble Thunder through to the next round. Dumb and Dumber against Happy Gilmore coming next week. And we may, if things go to plan, have a special episode dropping perhaps midweek next week or maybe the week after, but 
more on that if things go to plan. So anyway, thanks again for listening to another edition of the Movie Madness podcast in association with Spitballing Pod. Boy back. Thanks, uh, as always, chaps, for coming on. And adios. Good night.